Today's show is made possible by Fittery. You've probably purchased some dress and casual shirts online before, and sadly, you've probably had to return many of those items because they just didn't fit. Now, you do realize, of course, that billions are spent returning all of these poorly fitting clothes, right? Well, the madness can stop. The hassle of having to return all of this stuff can stop. Well, this is where Fittery comes in. They've devised a process by which you can almost guarantee that the dress and casual shirts you buy online will fit. And from brand names you'll recognize, Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Land's End, Ralph Lauren, to name just a few. And they're adding more brands every day. Now, I myself use Fittery, and setting up my account was very simple and took almost zero time. Just go to fittery.com intrepid, complete the quick size tool, and you'll soon be ordering dress and casual shirts that actually fit. Again, that's fittery.com intrepid. You'll love Fittery, and you'll actually enjoy and look forward to ordering clothes online again. All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things the ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host, Todd Schnick. Gosh, we've talked a lot about how to achieve success on this show over the years, but I think today's approach is not anything we've ever really drilled down into. So it promises to be a pretty intriguing conversation. I'm joined this morning by Steve Gold. He's a leadership consultant and author, and the author of a new book called How We Succeed, Making Good Things Happen Through the Power of Smart Experiments. Steve, welcome to the show. Todd, good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure's mine, Steve. I appreciate uh, you carving out some time to join us. I know you are a very busy fellow. Before we get into our conversation around this whole new idea of smart experiments and your book, uh, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Yeah, certainly. So I, I've got a little bit of an eclectic background. I, um, I actually started out studying business and then went to medical school. And so my entire career has been sort of this at the intersection of business and entrepreneurship and also really trying to understand how our minds work and to, to get around this whole problem of how we behave in order to succeed and achieve more in our lives. Isn't it interesting, Steve, that that it seems to me that the people who are successful and are the thought leaders we look up to do have that eclectic background. I, I think the, the lesson there is don't be afraid of that. That ought to be actually I think that's a good thing these days. Don't you agree? I think it is. You know, there, there's 
ever greater need for each and every one of us to stand out and be a little bit different. And, you know, so many different ways to do that. So certainly by either studying different things or, or just going about and having a career that involves, you know, building lots of different skills and abilities, it's all good. Outstanding. All right. Well, let's get to the book again, How We Succeed, Making Good Things Happen Through the Power of Smart Experiments. Now, I normally ask some variant of this question, right? Now, if you go to the Internet and you search for books on how to be successful, there is countless thousands or tens of thousands. Did the world really need another book on how to achieve success? But I kind of tipped and dropped a hint that that there's a little different approach here about uh, how to be successful, and it's through this idea of smart experiments. So I won't ask you the question, did the world need another book on, on how to achieve success? But 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 what's the story here? I mean, I, this is a different approach. Uh, the point we're going to make is that we all do experiments, but we don't realize that we do them poorly. So what's the backstory here? Yeah, sure. So first of all, it's a great, great question. And you know, I, I've searched for years to try to find a book like this that, that covered this topic. And the reality is, you know, we have so many people saying to us, you know, go do it, you know, be resilient, you know, have grit, all these different things, including do experiments, go explore. And all of this kind of advice is, in my view, it's been very ambiguous. And so I was searching for something about, well, how do you do that? How do you get grit? How do you become resilient? Because this is something that I, I'm interested for myself, but I've taught it at Babson College and Olin College of Engineering. And I was searching for these resources for my students, and I couldn't find anything. And I should share with you that part of my, my experience in the academic world, especially at Babson College, is I ran a, a venture accelerator program for some of the top students at the college. And it started to strike me that the lessons I was learning through very, very close observation of many, many young entrepreneurs is that they were behaving in ways that just were simply not being described in, in the literature, let alone the, the books that were out there. And so to answer your question, I felt that this book was necessary because, quite frankly, even though everybody talks about experiments or exploring or lean startups, things like that, no one really delves into the actual behavior, like what it actually means. So that's what this book seeks to, to answer. That very simple question is basically like, how, how should we behave? How should we do an experiment? I think it's important to set the, the foundation here of what you actually mean by experiment. Now, I, I suspect that there's a, there's a reason why the words experience and experiment, there's probably some root causes why those words are similar. I mean, I'm, and I think the key point here is that you said, when you go exploring, when you achieve and, and grow experience, what you're really doing is conducting a whole mass of experiments, right? I mean, that's, that's really what this is about. Help us understand the concept of what you mean by a smart experiment. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're 100% right that, you know, I, I, I like to say life is a series of experiments. And certainly every business, every startup, and even every giant corporation is, is a giant collection of experiments, of explorations. So here's, here's the way I define it. And you'll see that this encompasses just about everything that we could be doing. So it's an investment of resources that's basically made to see what will happen next. 
Simple as that. And when I say investment of resources, by resources, I don't, I certainly don't just mean money. We can include financial resources, but there are so many other kinds of resources that we have. There's knowledge, there are skills and abilities, there are the physical tools and supplies and other resources of that type that we have. And certainly one of the most valuable resources all of us have is our connections, our, our relationships with other people. So all of these things are resources and by combining them in different ways and investing them, by applying them, we basically can sort of poke and prod at the world to see what happens. And I can give you a few examples of, of sort of different types of experiments, if you'd like. Yeah, I would love for you to do that. I want this to be this idea, this concept to be crystal clear to those listening, because those listening, myself and yourself included, can have conducted a bunch of experiments already today. and We don't even realize it. So so if you can, as you share some examples, share some that just in a normal run of life uh, and then share some obviously in, in the environment of, of business. Uh, absolutely. So. First of all, you and I are conducting an experiment right now. Every question you ask me, you know, is a is a little mini experiment because you're investing your knowledge, your time, your energy. You're investing all these resources to basically ask me a question, let's say, and you don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know what my response is going to be in advance. So it's it is an exploration. That would be an example of a very small experiment. You know, we can get bigger from there. So trying to sell a new product or service to uh, a prospective client. That's an example of an experiment. You might knock on somebody's door or go into somebody's office and present what you've got and the benefits that it could provide to them, but you don't know how they're going to respond. So that's an experiment. Starting a business, becoming your own boss, that's an experiment. And certainly the experiments get bigger and bigger from there, you know, it's uh, governments do experiments, corporations do experiments like mergers and acquisitions. So these are, again, they're all examples of investments of resources that are made to allow us to better understand the world around us. And as I said before, basically to see what will happen next. Well, so it's clear, it's an important point to make here that both individuals and organizations, that could be businesses, that could be nonprofits, that could be governments, both conduct experiments. Absolutely. So we, we simply view organizations as collections of people. So to the extent that you know a corporation is engaged with, let's say, manufacturing and marketing and selling a product – all the individuals within that organization are just are doing experiments. The people who are designing the products are perhaps building prototypes and trying out different designs or different design features. The people who are manufacturing the products may be trying to optimize the process to make it more cost effective to manufacture those products. Certainly the people in the marketing and sales side are always trying different marketing campaigns, sales approaches, talking to different groups of people. So throughout an organization and every minute of every day, all kinds of experiments are being done. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to dive into the actual process of how to do this. Remember, the book is called How We Succeed, Making Good Things Happen Through the Power of Smart Experiments. So the point here is that most people, me included, do not so smart experiments. And we're going to talk about how to turn that around and conduct smart experiments. So we'll do that after the break. So Steve Gold and I will return after this quick break. 
In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive, and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. I am back with Steve Gold, leadership consultant and the author of a new book, How We Succeed, Making Good Things Happen Through the Power of Smart Experiments. So, Steve, we're going to dive into the actual four-step process of how to conduct a smart experiment. So what that tells me is that I've been doing, quote, experiments wrong probably most of my life. What is the key difference between a smart and a not-so-smart experiment? Yeah, so first of all, don't underestimate yourself because (laughs) I, I I have to say that this is a process that's used pretty intuitively by by most children. And I think, you know, through a lot of our educational processes, we're sort of taught away from this. So I'll explain it in the model we've come up with is is basically four steps. And they all begin with the letter D to make it simple, at least for me to remember. So we say it's design, decide, de-risk and deliver. Those are the four steps of smart experiment. And I'll walk you through each of those. Okay. So first of all, in design step, what that means is that we should look around us and and assess our available resources, what we actually have at our disposal that we can use. So for example, I said, this could be know-how, this could be our personal connections or professional connections. This could be physical tools or supplies. It could be financial resources. So all these different kinds of resources, we should always be surveying the world around us and understanding what we have that's available for us to use. And then we combine those to basically create possible experiments. So this is the design first step of the process. And in the academic world, we often refer to this list of possible experiments as an opportunity register. But for any of us, it can just be as simple as a mental or even a written list of, of things that we might want to do, okay, experiments that we might want to try out. Now, in the second step, decide, we actually use two factors to figure out which of those possible experiments are priorities, the ones that we should be doing sooner versus the ones that we might be doing later or even not at all. And the two factors are meaningfulness and affordability. So by meaningfulness, I simply you know, it's it's what's meaningful to you or what's meaningful to your organization. And then by affordability, we have to ask ourselves the question, what's the most we have to lose by doing the experiment if it doesn't go well? And if we lose that, is it going to stop us in, in our tracks? It's going to ruin us, destroy us, whatever the case might be. And basically, we all want to be doing sooner versus than Later, we want to be doing the experiments that are most meaningful to us, most valuable to us, and also the most affordable. And this is a big mistake that many of us make often by sort of ignoring this balance of meaningfulness and affordability. The next step is once we decide what our prioritized experiments are, pick one to do, and then you want to de-risk it. That's the third step. And de-risk is 
it's pretty simple, but it takes some time. And I like to say it's to do your best to prepare for the worst. Basically, you want to dream up sort of what's the worst going to happen if I'm going through, you know, hike in the woods and, you know, what could happen? I might get dehydrated. I might stub my toe. I might get lost. And then how do you prepare for those things? Do I bring a map, a first aid kit, a, a phone with the GPS, something like that? And that's doing your best to prepare for the worst. And then the very final step is deliver. And that's simply to finally do the experiment and not forget to collect the resulting resources, which in our studies is also a mistake that many of us make, especially when experiments don't go as planned. It doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't gone well, but when things don't go as expected, especially in organizations, like in, the, in a company setting, people tend to run away from those experiments and instead of collecting the valuable resources that result. So those are the four steps, design, decide, de-risk, and deliver. All right. So let's dive into that a bit. So I think it's fair to say that most of us don't put a mu- as much preparation into the four steps. And, and so we conduct a, a rash experiment versus a smart experiment. My, my, my concern, and this is, I think the, your four steps is very intuitive. It makes a lot of sense when you think about make, conducting an experiment as an individual, where I think it gets murky, at least in my view, is in within an organization. And I, and I, a lot of people are, it's one thing to do a smart experiment. I also think it's important from time to time to conduct a bold experiment, to really, really test yourself, really try something that could potentially be intriguing. But I think the corporate culture is such that the whole it all seems to be stemmed around minimizing risk. And so where do you draw the line on de-risking an experiment to the point where it, it's so it's so risk free that it's almost meaningless? I, I, that's where I think the biggest flaw in management is, is that they've got their, their team so spooked about trying anything. And they're so afraid of failure that they don't conduct an experiment worth a damn. Oh, you're so, so, so correct in, in that. I mean, that's this is the difference between today's most innovative organizations and basically everybody else. You know, I could not have said that better. Basically, this is the importance and the value of understanding smart experiments because it's a cultural thing. If leadership understands that smart experiments are an absolute requirement for achievement and success within their organizations, for their organizations – because they can't predict the future. They can't plan out five years ahead all the time. The world is changing too quickly. So by adapting this sort of process of intelligent exploration of smart experiments, and by sharing that with their employees and, and embracing that throughout the organization, they can allow people, they can empower people, their employees, to do things to do experiments, but to do them in a, a risk-mitigated way so that it's not necessarily risk-free. There are risks here, but remember in step three, we're de-risking it, and even before then in step two, we're prioritizing the experiments that have lower risk or, or are more affordable. And so when leadership is able to embrace this, that's what allows an organization to truly thrive. So that's what a lot of our work sort of is about and where all of this leads. And as you say, it can be used very, very easily at the personal level, at an individual level. And then it's a lot harder for organizations to adapt this philosophy because 
as we both know, so many organizations, so many leaders just don't want to make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like following this four-step process is a great way for someone to present an idea for an experiment to management. Here's the four steps I'm going to go through as I conduct this experiment, and that should provide a nice path to to the decision maker who's going to let them do that experiment to say, all right, they thought this through, and the design, decide, de-risk, and deliver is a great way for them to understand what's, what's potentially going to happen. So just speak more to, because this is where I'm really, I, I'm, I'm personally really concerned about is, is opening up the shackles so that, so that members of a team can conduct experiments. What, what more can management do through this four-step process to empower their people to be more bold and to conduct smart experiments? It's a great, great question. And in the sort of last section of the book, we, we present five lessons. Uh, and one of these lessons is celebrate effort, celebrate smart experiments, the process versus success or failure. Because the minute you start celebrating something like success, we know that so many successes are just due to good luck. Mm-hmm. And, and many, many failures they happen despite a person's very best efforts. And so by celebrating outcomes instead of the process, it's, it sends the wrong signal to, to everybody. And so I would say if there was one lesson for, for leaders or, or CEOs of entrepreneurial organizations especially, but really anyone, even within the family setting with your kids, to take away from this book is when people make an intelligent effort, when they explore the world in, in a smart way, you know, they're, they're not jumping off of, you know, tall buildings to, you know, check the distance or something <laughs> like, like, like silly, you know, silly things. Like when they're actually using intelligence and to, to approach life and their experience, we should, ex- we should celebrate that instead of the actual outcomes and that's unfortunately where most organizations go is they, they celebrate the successes and failures and really emphasize that without emphasizing the process and a, an appropriate process that that empowers people to do their best and to innovate and to achieve the most. Yeah, that sums it up. When you celebrate uh, outcomes, then people are uh, fear a negative outcome and thus they do nothing. So that's, that's- – Yeah, and, and, and we both realized that when you celebrate only – big successes, you, you know, but you're implying that you don't appreciate, you know, the, the negative outcomes. So it's, um, you know, so many ways that, that leaders uh, alienate people who really try very, very hard and, and are very smart about the way they go about things. Yet, despite that, you know, they, it didn't work out this time. Right. Good stuff. Well, Steve, I hate to say it, running low on time before I let you go. Where can people go if they have some questions and learn more about what you're doing? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of How We Succeed? Yeah, Todd, thanks for asking. The website for the book is wesucceed.org, and you can get yourself a copy on Amazon. All right. Steve Gold, a leadership consultant and the author of a new book, How We Succeed, Making Good Things Happen Through the Power of Smart Experiments. Steve, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Todd, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Steve Gold, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Intrepid Business.